Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you would please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. Well, just find your, that place and put your bookmark there. I want to show you something else before I get to that. Look at Matthew chapter 28 also. Matthew chapter 28 as well as Luke chapter 18. In Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 18, we have what we call the Great Commission to the church. You find that also at the end of Mark's gospel. But as you look at it from the different gospel in Matthew, you can find a somewhat of a different perspective than in Mark's gospel. In Matthew 28 and 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. Everybody say all things. All things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Notice Jesus said, teach them all things. All things that he taught them. All things that he commanded them. Not just one thing, not just two things, but all things. You talk about a commission. What a tremendous responsibility we have. Amen. All things that he taught them would include the doctrine of God. It would in include salvation. It would include the authority of the believer. It would include the character of God, the nature of man, obedience, righteousness, authority. And we can go right on down the list. Marriage, parenthood, parenting, teaching our children in the way they should go and grow up, and all those things are included. It would also include uh, emotional issues such as not worrying and anxiety and depression and discouragement and those things. I mean, the list can go on and on, couldn't it? All the things that Jesus taught about giving, forgiving, doing the will of God, pursuing the high prize of the calling of God in Christ Jesus, following Him, the Holy Ghost, spiritual growth and development, prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. I said that because I want to talk to you tonight about prayer. <laughs> but all those things would be included, wouldn't it? The things that Jesus taught His disciples. And Jesus said to teach all nations, make disciples of all nations, of all people, teaching them to observe all things that I've taught you, that I've commanded you. Well, look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 1. I'm reading this to you from the Amplified Bible. Also, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to turn coward or faint or lose heart and give up. That's Jesus teaching His disciples that it's important that they pray always. Men ought always to pray in the King James and faint not. That's what Jesus taught His disciples. Men ought always to pray and faint not. Well, I guess there's a reason for prayer right there. So that men don't faint or weary or give up or lose heart and be overcome. Well, beloved, I can give to you one of the most important things you'll ever hear about prayer tonight. You ready for it? 
I mean, it's, it's profound. It's absolutely, positively a profound truth. I'm going to share it with you at no charge. Absolutely, positively free. Take it and tell everybody you know. And you'll get them on the right path. What's the most important thing to know about prayer? Do it. Everybody say, do it. Let's forget about all the struggles here and just start doing it. You'll get somewhere if you start doing it. If you don't start doing it, you won't get anywhere. But you've got to do it. You see, beloved, success in carrying out the plan and purpose of God in our lives and also in our ministries is prayer. Without effective and consistent prayer or praying, we open the door to defeat and failure. Somebody say amen. Did you hear that? We open the door to defeat and failure if we don't have a productive prayer life, a consistent prayer life. It is essential, Jesus said, that men pray so that they don't faint, so that they don't lose heart, so that they don't turn coward and eventually fail or become defeated in life and in ministry. Now, with that statement, I'm reminded of uh, the, the testimony of a group whose business it was to take merchandise from one village to another village in a specific land. And to do so, the leader would have a group of men with him and they would gather all the merchandise. You see, this would be their, their business. This would be what they would do to make their living. And they would go from point A to point B after loading up all this merchandise and they would, of course, take it to this other village, to this other place where they would do business and, you know, conduct business and, and make a profit and all that. They'd be paid for doing this. Well, they knew there were dangers involved with what they had to do. And so they would just set out after they got all things together and continue going on their journey, knowing there would be a possibility of bandits out there trying to rob them or kill them and that sort of thing. Well, this particular group of people set out to accomplish their purpose and about the third night into the journey, something happened. The leader of the group was awakened during the night by the leader of the bandits that had set out to rob them and possibly kill them, take their lives. And when he woke up and saw the person there who was right there in front of him, who woke him up, of course, immediately the thoughts run through your mind like, what's going on and why, you know, why is he wanting to talk to me or whatever? Usually they just come in and just do what they want to do. But he woke the fellow up and he said, um, what's your secret? And the fellow said, what do you mean? He said, what's your secret? He said, I don't understand. He said, come on now, there's, there's some way you're doing this. He said, doing what? And they said, we watched you from the very first day you set out to take your merchandise to the other village. And we waited for nightfall for the most opportune time to attack you so that we would steal your goods and if we had to, take your lives. Said, but when nightfall came, all of a sudden we approached your camp and we noticed that there were walls set up all around you, big walls, and we couldn't get through. And so we thought, this is puzzling. And so they waited to the next day, and we said, we well, they said we'd figure we'd just wait until the next evening, 
And then we do the same thing again. We try to attack you at nightfall when you're not expecting it. Well, nightfall came the second night. And they said, as soon as nightfall came, we came close to your camp. And lo and behold, once again, we saw these massive walls set up all around your camp. What's your secret? How'd you do that? And the fellow said, well, how did you get in tonight? He said, well, the third night came. This is the third night. And once again, we did the same thing, followed the same procedure. And all of a sudden, we saw those walls there again, but we noticed there was a breach in one of the walls. And we saw that. And we decided we'd just enter in. But, you know, I was fully intending to come in and kill you and take all your goods. But I had to find out your secret. I had to find out how was it that you were able to put up these massive walls around your whole camp so quickly. And the leader of the group said, well, to be frank about it, we didn't put up those walls. But I have an idea what took place. He said, you see, I'm a believer. And I believe in God. And I believe in the power of prayer. And he said, when I got these group of men together, I realized they were under my care and responsibility. So I prayed to the Lord each night and said, Lord, I thank you for your hand of protection around us and about us. And, and I know that you'll keep us safe. And not only will you keep me safe, you'll keep all the men safe. And none of the merchandise will be stolen. Because they have entrusted this merchandise to me. And I am looking to you. And he said, I prayed that way the first night. And I prayed that way the second night. He said, but this night, the third night, he said, to be frank about it, I got in, I, I made a half-hearted attempt at praying or at prayer. He said, because I was quite weary and all that. And, 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 you know, sometimes this is what we do, and you have to admit it in your own life. I went through the motions of prayer, but I didn't really have the kind of faith, the gusto that I normally use in prayer. He said, so I venture to say the way you got in was through that breach in the wall of prayer because I just wasn't where I needed to be in faith. And the fellow who came in with his bandits to steal, to kill, to destroy, was so impressed by what the fellow had said that he got saved and so did his bandits get saved. And rather than steal and kill from them, they just helped them to get over to where they had to be. Think about that. You see, beloved, sometimes we fail to recognize the importance of praying in faith and believing God for His hand of protection to be upon us at all times. And we don't take serious the opportunity that He has given us to approach Him in prayer so as to set in motion those things that will enable us to be a success as well as to be protected as we live in this life on this earth. That's why Jesus told his disciples, it's important that you learn how to pray and pray all the time. Men ought always to pray. Why? So that they don't faint. So that they don't give up. So that they don't lose heart. So that they don't cave in. So that they don't have any breaches, you see, in their lives. Any doorways open to the enemy where he can come in and plan out his strategies and enforce defeat in our lives. 
Well, beloved, I believe the Christian walk is a prayer walk. And it's a prayer warfare. And it doesn't matter if you're engaged in active ministry or just living your life to please God and serving Him and maintaining your own personal life. Each and every one of us needs to follow the teachings of our Lord and develop a consistent and productive prayer life if we are going to succeed in our endeavors, be it ministry, be it raising our family, be it just serving Him as an individual in this earth, we must know how to pray effectively and we must be consistent in our prayer life. I believe that Jesus himself was effective in prayer and felt the need of prayer as he walked upon this earth because he knew that God the Father could only move on the behalf of man if he prayed. As a matter of fact, do you remember what Jesus told his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane when he went out there by himself alone to pray? He said, watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. He told that to his disciples. And Peter was there. But do you know, they all fell asleep and rather than pray for that one hour, remember Jesus said, could you not pray one hour? Peter by midnight, denied our Lord three times. And didn't Jesus just tell him, watch ye and pray that you enter not into temptation? Certainly he did. But they'd rather go to sleep or they just couldn't do it because, oh, let's face it. If you want to go to sleep, anyone have insomnia? If you want to go to sleep, pick up your Bible and start praying. It's like the devil calls all his sleepy spirits over to your house. There they go again, reading the Word of God. Let's just put some sleep in their eyes. Think about it. You pick it up and all of a sudden your eyes get real heavy. You've got to fight that. I've got to fight that. Watch ye and pray, Jesus said, so that you don't enter into temptation. And I believe that if Jesus thought it, be nece- it was necessary to maintain a productive prayer life and a consistent prayer life, how much more should we, His followers, consider prayer to be an essential part of our lives? Amen? Amen. You see, prayer was the really key to Jesus' success. If you were to follow Him in His personal walk upon the earth, you'll find out that all the time He set Himself apart away from all the activity of the day to get alone with his father and pray. Sometimes he would spend the whole night in prayer. Sometimes he would just go up on the mountaintop by himself or he would take maybe Peter, James, and John and they would get away and he would teach them the art of prayer and the importance of prayer. But I believe he really liked those quiet times with his heavenly father where he would just go away and and pray and just stay in his presence and maybe get the plan for the day you know, to get the will of the Father planned out for him and for his ministry and for his life for the day. If anything, he'd stay just filled up and full and overflowing with the anointing. I believe the anointing was increased in his life as he went to the Father in prayer because he would always give it out in ministry throughout the course of a day. And then he would go off and pray. And because of his prayer life, the anointing was replenished in his life. And then, of course, when he came down from the mountain, he was always ministering to people, wasn't he? You see, he was successful in all that he did because of the prayer time that he had with the Father. Spending quality time in consistent prayer enabled him to defeat Satan, 
and also to understand or know His strategies, to know the hearts of men, and also to plan out, as I said, the, the purpose of God for the day. Well, beloved, we're not better than Jesus, are we? Think about that statement. We are not closer to the Father than Jesus, are we? Think about that. If Jesus needed to pray, how much more do I need to pray? Amen? Now, either I'm just preaching so good that you're mesmerized, <laughs> or the spirit of sleep has suddenly hit you, <laughs> because you know I'm going to have you to be praying here pretty soon. <laughs> Amen? Turn to, Matthew, or turn to Acts, if you would, please, in chapter 6. You see, knowing that prayer is essential and important to our success, I believe Satan attacks the believer in that area to try to get them to be inconsistent in prayer, to be distracted from prayer, and really to disturb the spirit of prayer that can be developed in a praying Christian's life. How many of you know what I mean by the spirit of prayer? Do you know what I mean by that? The spirit of prayer? It's sometimes you, you try to get into prayer and it's, it's like you're not there. You're not really there. You know what I mean by that? And it's real dry, seemingly. And it seems as though you're not really making any headway or you're not reaching the throne of God. But if you are consistent in prayer and stay with it, there will come upon you the spirit of prayer. And when that spirit of prayer is hovering over you, you just seemingly automatically enter right into it. It's something that you get into the habit of doing, in other words, all the time because of that spirit of God that's hovering over you, enabling you to freely enter into that place of His presence. How many of you have particular habits in your life? You do certain things all the time. And sometimes you question your sanity because you do it that way all the time. I, I'm, do you know that we're strange beings? And I think we're strange because we're dysfunctional. Now, don't get offended. We're dysfunctional if you compare us to Adam and how he was created from the very beginning. Isn't that true? We're not functioning in spirit, soul, and body the way God created man. Man fell, became abnormal or dysfunctional because he was separated from the life of God. His brain was fried. I guess you could say it that way. Really, darkness came over his mind, right? And his body became mortal. And it's like you're, you're really dysfunctional when you compare man as he is today to what he was when, when God made him. Right? And that's why there's so many things we have to deal with. That's why we've got to learn so much from Jesus because... He came to restore us in all departments of our being. But I know that I have certain habits in my life, and sometimes I question myself, why am I not satisfied unless I do it that way? Sometimes I go through rituals before I leave the house. I know it's still there, but yet you go through these rituals. What about the way you cut your grass? Think about that for a while. Some people plant a garden a certain way. Don't you try to put the tomatoes in that spot. Because that's the way they do it. 
You see, we're creatures of habit. We're into habits and unconsciously we do things the same way all the time because we're in the habit of doing it. Now, don't you try to do my wife's laundry. I tried that one time. And she left. That's why I can say this. And when the whites came out pink, See, she thought, she thought I didn't know what I was doing. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> when the whites came out pink, she says, don't you ever touch that laundry, laundry again. I said, okay. I'm just teasing you. I made a mistake. Oh, I waited for the day. About after the 1,500 lo- load of laundry, she made that same mistake one time. I walked in love. But we're creatures of habit. And if you get out of the habit of prayer, you'll lose the spirit of prayer. But if you get into the habit of prayer, for example, I've got to to do something about this. Where are my children at? My two sons drive cars. Once in a while, I've got to move their cars out of the driveway because they're blocking the driveway and I can't get out. They have the habit, the habit, of leaving their car radio on loud. There's only one setting on the volume all the way cranked up to the top. And so, you know, I'm, I've got all these thoughts in my mind. I've got to go here. I've got, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do. And, oh, there's a car in the way. Okay, I, that's okay. I'll just, I'll just move the car up. I'll get out. And, you know, you're just very quiet, minding your own business, like they say, just minding my own business, getting inside, open up the car, get inside, turn on the key. About go, if, if the sunroof was open or the moonroof, whatever it was open, I would have been halfway up in the sky. And I thought, they can't be deaf. My heavens. How loud. It was both cars. And I tell them about it all the time. But they just have this habit that they fail to always... Turn it off. They fell. I gotta get teach them new habits, especially if they want me to move their car for. My goodness! But we have habits that you know we get into. We do things a certain way, and that's just the way we are. And we think that someone else is wrong in the way they do it if they don't do it the way we do it. True. It's just that they have a different way and they have different habits. If you get out of the habit of prayer then you will not have the spirit of prayer. But if you make yourself get into the habit of prayer, then you'll have and invite the spirit of prayer in your life. And if you have the habit of getting in your car and you're on your way to work in the morning and you have the habit of the moment you get out of the driveway, or maybe the moment you turn on the ignition, you turn on the radio, get out of that habit. You know I'm going to get on you about this, don't you? Someone says, I don't have any time to pray. Well, turn off that radio. Turn off that radio. Are you going down the highway? Does it take you 15 minutes to get to work? You just missed 15 minutes of quality prayer. Get out of that habit of turning on that radio and being entertained. Or listening to somebody else do something. And get in the habit of as soon as you get inside that car, start just lifting your heart to heaven, lifting your voice to heaven, keep your hands on the wheel, and just magnify God and begin to pray. That's a perfect opportunity to pray, isn't it? Get into the habit of doing it, and you'll find out that you always do it. You invite the spirit of prayer right there in your automobile. I've done that. 
I have absolutely done that and I've got from point A to point B driving, didn't know how I got there once, more than once, on numerous occasions. But I got involved in the habit of prayer and the spirit of prayer would come on me during these particular times. See, if you want to have the spirit of prayer, remember, prayer is essential to your success in life or ministry. Prayer is essential to keep you living right for God. Prayer is essential to enabling you to overcome temptations that are definitely going to come your way. Then you have got to get into the habit of praying so that the spirit of prayer will come on you. And certain things will happen. Well, it made Jesus successful in his life and ministry. It'll make you successful also in your life and whatever ministry God has for you. In the book of Acts chapter 6, if you'll read the first few verses there, which I'm not going to take time to read them all, but just, just a couple here, you'll find out that as the church began to grow, those that were in positions of leadership were being asked by the people to leave the most important things that they were doing so that they can minister to the everyday needs of all the other people. And look at verse 3. And Peter said, look, it's not right for us to do this. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among your, you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now listen. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. In other words, they recognized they could get so caught up with legitimate things that they could do in ministry, but those things would get them out of the Word and prayer and in the process open up their lives to Satan's attacks. So they knew they couldn't do it all. It's important to have other people help out in these matters so that they could stay in the ministry of the Word and in prayer and maintain their prayer life. You see, beloved, if that happens, little by little, Satan gets an advantage over people's lives. You know, you can be on top of things and victorious over things in your life today, and you'll stay that way if you'll maintain a productive, consistent prayer life. But if you let loose and let go and get out of the habit of prayer, then what will happen is little by little, there'll be a breach in the wall of your protection and you'll find yourself giving into the temptation of Satan just like Peter did when he denied the Lord three times. That's why prayer must be consistent. It must be daily. And every believer must understand the importance of it if he or she wants to be a success in life and ministry. Also, you'll realize this. If it is that vital and important to our success, you know that Satan will use his powers to come against your life to get you out of the habit of prayer. You'll be targeted by the enemy so that you don't maintain consistency in prayer because he knows how valuable it is to your life, how destructive it is to his powers coming against your life and his kingdom. Look at the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, if you would, please. I believe here we have a scripture that makes it very clear to us that we are in a continuous warfare with the powers of darkness. And they're out there planning strategies against our lives and ministries. 
doing everything they possibly can to get us at more opportune times for them so as to find loopholes into our lives and, and bring us to the place of defeat. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle not. In other words, we are in a spiritual warfare and our enemy includes the hosts of the kingdom of darkness and they have set out to target our lives for destruction. A part of the Christian armor that sometimes is ignored is found in verse 18. It says, praying sometimes. Praying once in a while. Praying if you feel like it. No, it says praying always. Everybody say praying always. Say it again, praying always. And Jesus said men ought always to pray. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto. Isn't that amazing? He said, watch and pray, just like Jesus did, didn't He? And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. That's what Jesus said. Watch and pray. That's what Paul said by the Holy Ghost. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. And every one of us needs to get into that kind of a habit where we watch and pray. Now, Jesus was our example. Look at the book of Hebrews. You're close by. Chapter 5, if you would, please. Jesus is our example in life and ministry. And we are to follow His example and learn things from Him and then apply those same truths and principles to our lives so that we could, too could have the success that He had. Look at Hebrews 5 and verse 7. Jesus, through prayer life, was able to anticipate and also to prevent many of the strategies of Satan from being successful against Him. And we too can do the same thing, beloved, I believe to the degree where we can avert certain things from happening in our lives because of our prayer life. And we may never know that they happen, were going to happen or were about to happen, but they will be averted because of our prayer life. Now, I don't know about you, I would rather be unaware of those things that could have or would have happened and just go on with my life, everything being okay, rather than having a tragedy and then realize what I could have averted through prayer. What about you? Amen. Look at verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh... How many of you remember that the Son of God was made flesh and dwelt among us? Well, look at this truth about the days of his flesh. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared... That's talking about our Savior. That's talking about our Lord. In the days of His flesh, He knew there was a need for Him to offer up prayers unto the Father, crying out in prayer as He did in the Garden of Gethsemane so the will of the Father would be done and not the will of Satan. Are we not told in prayer to pray the kingdom of God come and the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. And to be frank about it, beloved, it's not an easy task. It's not even fun sometimes. Developing a productive prayer life can be a lot of work. 
But, beloved, if we'll work at it and labor in it, I believe that we can succeed individually and collectively as a church body. You know, you can get wearisome in prayer. And in some cases, you can almost feel like you're getting beat up in prayer because you enter into intercession sometimes and you take on the effects of someone else's problem. But it's important to know, beloved, that if we'll stay with it and recognize the importance of it and develop consistency in it, we'll get to a place where prayer will be a habitual thing. It'll be like breathing. And communing with God will be the most pleasurable thing you ever do in your life. And you'll find yourself, instead of getting in there and turning on that radio and listening to someone else sing a Christian song, you'll say, why should I do that? When I can get into that car and I can just enter in to a place of holy communion with my Father. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. Think about that. You, you, you see, you'll give up the lesser for the greater. You can have a holy sanctuary driving down a highway of life. You realize that? In the holy of holies with God on wheels. That gives new meaning to God's portable tabernacle on earth, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yes, sometimes it's wearisome and sometimes... It takes great effort, beloved, but make no mistake about it. Effective prayer will bring into action the infinite power of the living God in the affairs of your life and mind. It will unleash the powers of God in our lives and ministries, enabling us to be effective in carrying out the plan and purpose of God. And I'll tell you something else it'll do. It'll keep your anointing strong. It will keep your anointing strong in your life. Go to Acts chapter 3, if you would, please. You recall the story of Daniel in the 10th chapter of the book of Daniel. He set himself to seek the face of God in prayer. And seemingly nothing was taking place or nothing was happening. And so he persisted or was consistent in prayer for 21 days. Uh, seemingly nothing was happening. Seemingly it could have been very dry and non-productive. But Daniel knew enough about prayer to know that you've got to stay with it and be consistent in it. And as you read through the verses, you discover that after 21 days, an angel appears to him, comes to him, and says, Daniel, your words were heard from the very first day you prayed and set your face to seek yourself to seek the face of God. But we were stopped by the prince of Persia and there's been a battle taking place up there in the heavenlies, spiritual powers in high places. And Michael came to help me and now I've come to give you the answer that you've been looking for. What would have happened if Daniel was not consistent and persistent in prayer for those 21 days? He could have walked away and said, well, it just doesn't work. You see, beloved, because we live, in a, live in, a, in a microwave society, we always want everything to happen immediately. And if it's delayed for a moment, we get discouraged and frustrated and think that prayer doesn't work and give up on the powerful prayer life. God wants us to realize that just because things don't happen immediately does not mean that we are not being effective in prayer. 
Daniel was effective in prayer from the day he started to pray, but it took 21 days to get the answer. But he was persistent and consistent with God in prayer and gave place to the victory as a result of being consistent. You see, beloved, consistent prayer will do certain things. You heard of the enemy sword coming at you to catch you and destroy you in life. It'll blunt the enemy's sword if you learn how to be effective in prayer. It'll overrule his plans and strategies that he sets in motion against your life. It'll spring the unsprung traps that he sets for you in your life. You know Satan has snares out there, traps out there set for you. But through prayer, you can spring those unsprung traps that he sets for your life. And you know what? It won't happen to you, and you won't even know about it unless God reveals it to you. But you'll avert a possible catastrophe or tragedy because you decided to be a person of prayer. To believe in the effectiveness of prayer, even though your eyes didn't see anything take place. How many of you can see that? And that's the kind of Christian we want to be. We want to avert those things. Amen? Amen. We don't want to fall into Satan's traps and snares and be overcome by him. Amen. Where are we at? Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up to, verse 1, went up together into the temple at the, everybody say, hour of prayer. Say it again, the hour of prayer. I want you to know this, that even though they were born again, spirit-filled people, they still knew the value and the importance of maintaining the hour of prayer in their lives. See, they were in the habit of spending at least an hour in prayer. That was their habit. And so they continued doing it. And as far as they were, they were concerned, there was nothing so pressing and so important that it would interfere or could interfere or be allowed to interfere with their time of prayer. In other words, prayer was going to be more important to them than anything else they could encounter in life. And so when the time came that it was the hour of prayer, that's where they were found, in the temple at the hour of prayer to pray and seek the face of God. Apparently, they understood and they knew the value and the importance of spending time alone with God in prayer. Be it individually or be it collectively with other believers, lifting their voice to God to petition Him for certain things to be done in the earth. Be it protection, deliverance, greater anointings, manifestations of the Spirit, the will of God to be carried out, the peace of Jerusalem, the body of Christ to be effective in fulfilling the Great Commission, and the list goes on and on. But there was a time of prayer, the hour of prayer being the ninth hour of the day, and they set themselves apart to pray and seek the face of God. How many of you remember when the disciples of our Lord could not cast out this devil of the man's son who was a lunatic and, and who, who almost took his life through suicide because of these spirits that were possessing him and all that? And when they could not cast out the spirit from that man, and Jesus did, they asked Jesus, 
Why is it that we could not cast out this spirit and, and set this man free? And Jesus said, this kind does not come out except by fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. There is a place for fasting and prayer, spending specific time alone with God and denying ourselves of other things so as to fill ourselves up with the greater things of God for a specific purpose in the will of God. And sometimes he'll speak to hearts and say, I want you to spend some time in fasting and prayer before you deal with that situation out there. Why? Because that's going to prepare you to be able to do what it is I want you to do to achieve what I want done. So you see, they understood the importance of that. Jesus understood the importance of that. Jesus taught that to his disciples and he let them know emphatically, if you want to be a success, if you don't want to be defeated, if you want to overcome in all areas of life and ministry, then men ought always to pray and faint not or don't weary, don't lose heart, don't give up. And beloved, I really believe this with all my heart. We need to, as a church, as a body of believers, establish a band of prayer where we need to either come together collectively or set aside a time throughout the course of the day that we designate as being the time of prayer and enlisting people to join together with us from their homes because it's not always easy to get people here to the church. We understand that. Because of our geographical location, because of where we're at, because of our drawing people from different surrounding communities that are at a distance, and because of having, you know, church three times a week and, and Tuesday night practices for some and, and choir practice on Thursday nights and other things that are going on throughout the course of the week, we realize that it's, it's difficult to get a lot of people together for the purpose of collective corporate prayer. But, beloved, there is no distance in the spirit world. And if we can just set something up and establish a time of prayer, knowing that we'd have certain people praying all the time at certain times, we already have a, a time of prayer Wednesday morning beginning at 9 o'clock right here at the church. If people can make it, I'll tell you what, it'll do your heart good. It'll do the church good. It'll do the work of God good if you'll set aside that time and come and be a part of it. But if you can't be here on that Wednesday morning, you can pray at home. There is no distance in the spirit world from that time beginning at 9 o'clock in the morning. And you can maybe meet with some of the people that are here and say, well, how long do you pray? Even if it's just one hour. If you can only say, I can go half an hour. And another group in fact can pick up another half an hour. Beloved, I believe it is essential to our success in, in undermining the work of Satan, in springing the traps, the, un, the unsprung traps, that he sets out there to trap believers, whatever strategies or plans he might have to, to cause us to be ineffective in fulfilling our internal and external purpose of being, I believe that we can, in the spirit world, through the power of effective prayer, unleash the ability of God and destroy the works of darkness before they destroy our effectiveness in carrying out the Great Commission. You believe that with me? That is why the, the, the saints of old in the book of Acts, whenever they were threatened by the religious leaders of the day, rather than gripe about it, rather than complain about it, they went to their... Look at chapter 4, verse, chapter 4 of Acts. Look at verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, 
when they heard the threatening, when they heard how they told them not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus anymore, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God, their own company. I can't think of a better place to be than with my own company of believers that believe like I believe. What about you? And when they heard the threats, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God that made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine many things? And you go on and read that whole thing. And he said, Thou, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may preach thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal. Verse 30 and 31 that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. I like that, don't you? That's a prayer meeting. When God starts shaking the buildings that people meet in, praise God. I can see your car going down the highway of life and it starts shaking. Praise God. And you know the, the tires are all aligned. And you know they're all balanced. And there's no reason for the car to shake because of natural things. But God just begins to manifest Himself in your automobile and you're shaking down the highway of life. I can see when we gather together just for a time of prayer and we start praying and all the buildings start to shake and the chandeliers start to shake. I like God shaking because it leaves no damage after it's done. Hallelujah! But you see, what happened was they prayed like that. The place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with boldness. They spake the Word of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, spake the Word of God with boldness. Signs and wonders took place. You know, if we just met together to say, Father God, we're meeting together, believing that you will stretch forth your hands to show signs and wonders and demonstrations of your power and of your might. Every time we assemble together, everywhere we go out, in the highway and byway of life and meet people that are unsafe out there in the world, at the soup kitchen and street witnessing from door to door, Father, you go before us. Send the angel before us. Make your miracles happen in the lives of the people that are ministering out there. Can you see that? If we're just praying that, can you imagine when God starts shaking those houses? Everywhere these people go, if that prayer is answered, beloved, I believe God wants us to do it and I believe we can do it and be effective in carrying it out. And if we don't weary at it and if we don't tire and faint, praise God at it, but become consistent in it, we're going to see God move like we've never seen God move. I really believe that we will set in motion, beloved, one of the most powerful forces in all the universe. What about you? I believe so. Amen. What should we pray for? Pray for God's kingdom to come and His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, His kingdom is already in me. I know that, but it's not here on earth. And so until His kingdom comes on earth, pray that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we're meeting together right now to pray, in other words, that your, your will would be done on earth, that men would be saved baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire, delivered and set free from sicknesses and diseases and devils cast out of their lives, that those that are bound up by habits would be delivered and set free by your power and by your might, by those whose minds are being ravaged by satanic forces and they're emotionally bound, that they would be set free and that you would heal the brokenhearted and that you'd bind up every wound with a power unknown to man, a spiritual power, not just psychology, but spiritual power, the power of the living God. You know, the Bible says that Jesus, they brought to Jesus a man who was a lunatic and he healed him. He knows the secret to heal people from emotional diseases. A lunatic, someone who was out of his mind, had no control. Can you imagine how awful that is? Think about that. But Jesus set him free. 
There's a power that can set people free. Even from retardation, I believe there is a power that can set people free. You know, God wants to do more than what we have given Him opportunity to do. I believe that in all of our lives. I can go on forever. Come around this altar if you wouldn't mind. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.